For the past three weeks, we have examined passages in the book of 1 Timothy, and this letter from the Apostle Paul to his protege in the faith is summed up best in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, where Paul said, This command I entrust to you, Timothy my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. I've shared with you about Paul's instructions to Timothy in fighting the good fight of faith by maintaining core strength. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 18 through 20, we saw how we must keep the faith in a good conscience. We fight the good faith by keeping steady hands in prayer to God for the salvation of the lost. As we looked in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And we fight the good fight by standing on a solid foundation of confession of faith in Christ. 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16. Today, I want to share with you another one of Paul's admonitions to Timothy as we conclude our study of 1 Timothy this morning. If you would, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 13 through 16, and we'll read God's Word together. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. Paul wrote, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance, with the laying on of hands by the elders. Take pains with these things, being absorbed in them, so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. In these verses, we learn that in order to fight the good fight, we must keep a focused mindset by fixing our eyes on who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. Maybe some of you will remember this event from February the 7th of 1997. Oliver McCall, the atomic bull, faced off against world boxing heavyweight champion Lennox Lewis. And after Mr. Lewis had landed a few punches, mostly body shots, McCall began to engage in some rather bizarre behavior in the ring. He intentionally dropped his gloves away from his face so he couldn't defend himself. And then he continually turned his back on Lewis walking around the edge of the ring, like real close to the ropes, avoiding the fight altogether. He refused to visit his corner and go see his trainer and his coach after a couple rounds of fighting. And then, yes, he even began to cry in the middle of the fight. The crowd, the announcers, the referee, coaches, everybody was stunned. And in the fifth round of this long-anticipated boxing match, 
for the heavyweight belt, Lennox Lewis won by technical knockout because the atomic bull, Oliver McCall, went into a nervous breakdown. He lost his focus on the fight at hand. Because he lost his focus, he lost the fight. As Christians, we cannot lose our focus. God wants us to win the fight. In order to win, we have to fight. And in order to fight, we have to maintain our focus. We do so by keeping a mindset fixing our eyes on who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. So I want you to notice the first place Paul told Timothy to fix his eyes in these verses. The first place he told Timothy to fix his eyes was on Scripture. Verse 13 simply said, Timothy, until I come back, I want you to give your attention to the public reading of the Bible, to exhortation, to preaching, and to teaching. The public reading of God's Word was an important part of the worship service there in Ephesus. Just like it is here at our own church in our day and time. If we ever get away from reading God's instructions, the product will not turn out like He designed. So think with me, if you would, for a moment, what this morning would have been like if we had not fixed our eyes upon God's Word. What would your Sunday school class have been like this morning? As you began to share your opinions and your thoughts and your feelings and your frustrations and your prayer requests. It would kind of feel hopeless. It would kind of seem like you were dancing around a subject and never able to arrive at a concrete conclusion. Because there's no truth to stand on. There's no word to trust the promise. The public proclamation of God's word is extremely important in the church. What would it be like this morning if I stood up in this pulpit and just began to share with you my personal thoughts, feelings on any given subject instead of asking you to open your Bibles and turn with me to God's Word and read? Without God's objective truth before our eyes, we begin to say things less clearly. Our vision grows fuzzy. We don't see things as God sees them. We don't understand life as God knows life. And we don't have wisdom as God wants to give us wisdom. Paul told Timothy to keep reading God's word publicly so that people could hear directly from God himself. We don't do this here at First Baptist Church, but there are some denominations in which there's an interesting practice that takes place. There are some denominations in which the the preacher, the pastor of the church, will bring a copy of God's Word to a certain pulpit there before the people. And he will read God's Word, the text, for everybody to hear. And then he'll walk off to the side and go preach from another pulpit. Signifying that the reading of God's Word, the inspired scriptures, is significant. When we read God's Word and we hear what God has said to us in the Bible... We hear the voice of God directly. Paul wanted Timothy to keep reading publicly the scriptures. But he didn't just want Timothy to read these things out loud. He said he also wanted Timothy to exhort the believers. Or some of your translations will use the word preaching instead of exhortation. When a man of God stands before the people of God to deliver a message that is rooted in scripture, it provokes the will of God's people 
to do the will of God. And that's really what preaching is. It's taking God's word and presenting it to people so that their will changes to be God's will. It's more than just a superficial prayer of, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. It's, God, we want your will to be done in our lives just as you do so in the heavenly realm. Timothy needed to stand courageously and preach the message of the truth. He did not need to cower sheepishly to the prevailing manners of his own day. When Paul told Timothy to continue to exhort and to continue to preach, he was telling Timothy to reshape believers' thinking through the Scriptures. I remember when I first had an eye exam and failed it. There is, I'd been sitting in the back of health and safety class. It was a long classroom in the ninth grade. And let's just be honest, my baseball coach was the teacher, so we didn't do a whole lot of learning in the class anyways. You know what I'm talking about? But it was one of those days he actually wrote something on the board and we had to copy it down. And I thought, I can't see that. And then it hit me all of a sudden. I've missed two pop flies in the infield. Maybe I got a problem. So I came home that afternoon and told mom I needed to go to the doctor, the eye doctor, because I, I thought I was having trouble seeing. And so I did. And sure enough, these wonderful things called glasses were put on my face. And I ordered contact lenses and I put those things in. Without looking through glasses or contact lenses now, I can't see your faces. Those lenses provide me what I need to see clearly. And it's not so much that you have to listen to me. I want you to understand that. But you must subject yourself to godly preaching if you're going to grow as a Christian. If you're going to set your eyes on Scripture, there's got to be a time in your life when you choose voluntarily to sit underneath someone and let them tell you from God's Word, this is what God wants you to do as a Christian. Or else you're not going to be able to see like you need to see. You'll be walking around without spiritual contact lenses and glasses, thinking you understand and can decipher and discern what's before you and what's around you, but you're not able to really tell what's going on. Then Paul told Timothy not to just read God's Word publicly or to preach it before the people, but he also talked about teaching the teaching of Scripture. The Bible should not just be read publicly and preached occasionally, but studied and taught daily. This appeal to Timothy is rooted in the idea of ongoing learning by growing in the knowledge of God's Word. As Christians, you shouldn't just be content with somebody reading God's Word out loud to you and then telling you what God's Word says. You ought to be engaged in a process of daily Bible study. Daily Bible study. And it may culminate in something like a small group that gets together once a week through something like a Bible study fellowship or a Sunday school class or a small group. But there's got to be a time that you choose to spend with God and His Word on your own. I mean, think about it this way. If the only time that you ever receive a word from God is on Sunday mornings when I or somebody else preaches God's truth to you, you're going to be spiritually starved. How many of you are going to leave this service today and eat lunch? 
All right, good. Most everybody. Here's the thing. Is that the only meal are you going to eat this week? Is Sunday lunch? No. You're going to eat. In fact, most of you are going to eat breakfast and lunch and dinner. And some of you even go like Hobbit route and you'll have breakfast and second breakfast and brunch and levensies and afternoon tea and all kinds of stuff. You'll have dinner and supper and lunch all in one day. We eat. Amen. There we go. Steve, Steve was right on track with that. We eat. God's word is a source of nourishment for our soul or for our spirit. We need to be learning from God's word, allowing God's word itself to teach us as we engage in daily Bible studies. For us as church members, we have to learn how to spend time in God's word. We listen to it when it's read. We discipline ourselves by hearing godly preaching and we engage in our own time with God by reading and studying his word every day. If we're going to fight the good fight, we have to keep our mindset focused and we do that by fixing our eyes on scripture. I'm going to challenge you this week. If, if you don't have a process or a plan in place where you have a set aside time and way that you're going to read God's word each day. Instead of trying to do this Bible in a year program, I'm going to challenge you to do simply this. All right, Get your Sunday school book out and flip it open. And there, towards the very beginning of your Sunday school book, it's got a list of passages for each day that you can read through. Just take just a few moments, maybe to start your morning off or to end your day before you go to bed at night, and just say, God, I want to hear from you today. Will you speak to my heart as I read your word? Read those verses. Highlight things that stand out to you. Think about what God's word says. Explain it in your own mind so you can understand it. And then apply God's word to your life and respond in prayer and obedience. Keep a focused mindset by fixing your eyes on scripture. And the second is this. In verses 14 and 15, Paul tells Timothy not just to fix his eyes on scripture, but to fix his eyes on serving others. Verse 14 Paul says, Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery or the elders in the church. He says, take pains with these things, be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. God gifts every single one of his children in a special and unique way for service in his church and service in his kingdom. For Timothy, it was to preach, to shepherd, to pastor the church there in Ephesus. For Paul, it was to plant churches and to be a missionary and to go around to different places and establish a gospel work. For some believers in the church in Ephesus, it was to serve as Elders, in the sense of highly respected individuals who were morally upright and outstanding citizens in that community so that they could invest in the younger generation of believers who would then rise up to become leaders in the churches. For some, it was the role of deacon or servant to where they were to help those in the church who needed assistance. Maybe it was widows who needed help with the daily food distribution. Maybe it was just that Timothy was so overloaded with the work and burdens of pastoral ministry that he had to delegate some of his responsibilities to men he could trust, who could help him serve the people. Bottom line is this. 
You don't have to have a special office or position in the church. If you're God's child and you belong to him, he's gifted you to serve him, and you do that by serving other people. Now, it might sound strange for me to tell you to fix your eyes on serving others when Paul is telling Timothy to look within himself and to not neglect the spiritual gift that was within him. But really, this is what happens. When we use our spiritual gifts, others are blessed. When we don't use our spiritual gifts, others suffer. Understand this and think about it with me for just a moment. If you have the spiritual gift of encouragement, and there is someone in our church who's going through a hard time, maybe a family member has died, or maybe they've just lost a job, and you don't use that gift of encouragement to pray with them and show them compassion like a godly friend or to lift them up and to pray with them that God would provide and meet their needs. It's not just that you have messed up. It's that they miss a blessing. Paul said, Timothy, if you neglect your spiritual gift, then you're not fulfilling what we've called you to do. Paul was part of this group in the Ephesian church of elders that chose to signify God's choice and anointing of Timothy to lead this body by praying and laying their hands on Timothy. Maybe you've seen that done in a church service before. If you've been here, Steve gets on to me because I probably pray and make people feel awkward a little too much when I pray, pray over them. But we'll place our hands on those people, whether they're deacons or pastors or Maybe they're vacation Bible school workers. And we're not doing that to make them feel awkward. We're doing that to say, we believe God's called you and equipped you and gifted you to serve Him and others in this way. And we want to pray over you that God would bless you to do all that He has called you to do. And we want to pray that God will help you be who He's called you to be. This is what, Paul, what Timothy received when Paul and the others in Ephesus prayed over him and laid their hands on him. These people saw the potential within Timothy. Timothy had to choose to serve by fixing his eyes on serving others around him. If God has called you to be a servant, you must serve. That's how you use your spiritual gift. If God has called you to be a preacher, you must preach. That's how you use your spiritual gift. If he's called you to be an encourager, you must encourage. In order to fight the good fight, we need a focused mindset that comes through the practicing of our faith. That comes through serving others. When we put our faith into practice by exercising the spiritual gift God has given. When we exercise these gifts, then we become who God has called us to be. And we accomplish what God has called us to do. So if God calls you. And he will, if you're his child, to a position of service or leadership in his kingdom. Then you need to know that he also gives you the necessary gifts to fulfill that role. God gives each and every believer for service in his kingdom. But he does not force us to employ our spiritual gifts. We have the choice to either exercise our gifts or to neglect them. And most of the time when we choose not to exercise our gifts... It's not because we're looking at others. It's because we're looking at ourselves and thinking, God, I, I can't do this. I can't say that. There, there is no way. But when we fix our eyes on serving others and we see the need that's in their life 
and we see God's power to meet that need, we become a channel of blessing from the Lord to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Those who exercise their gifts succeed in fighting the good fight because they have a focused mindset. Their goal in life is to glorify God and to serve others. Fix your eyes on serving others. And then in verse 16, Paul tells Timothy, not just to fix his eyes on Scripture, not just to fix his eyes on serving others, but to fix his eyes on the Savior. In verse 16, Paul tells Timothy, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. And persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation for yourself and for those who hear you. Now I know it sounds like Paul's telling Timothy to, to look at himself, and he is, but he's telling him to look at himself so that he can see what his own life is all about. And the truth is, if Timothy didn't look in the spiritual mirror and see Jesus displayed, he had gotten it wrong. If he went back and read through his sermon notes and he didn't hear Jesus' words and his compassionate call to follow the Lord, then he was saying it wrong. It might sound strange at the end of verse 16 that Timothy was to ensure salvation for himself and for those who heard him. But this is not to say that Timothy could save anybody spiritually from hell or from sin. In fact, one commentator wrote it this way. It's not that Timothy's endurance would merit salvation, but that a stamina that produced holiness and doctrinal orthodoxy gave incontrovertible evidence of heading for salvation. Second, Paul suggested that the obedient perseverance of the preacher is an important factor in the endurance of the hearers. The preacher's model of perseverance built the same trait in his flock. The stumbles and fumbles of a wandering spiritual leader will infect a congregation with a variety of spiritual sicknesses. Paul didn't want Timothy to get tangled up over his own feet or trip others in their walk with God. In order to point people to Jesus, Timothy needed to live right and preach the truth. The power of the gospel is evident in both the preacher as a man and the message he proclaims. And the same is true not just of preachers in the pulpit, but of Christians in the pews. Morality and doctrine are inseparable twins of the Christian life. Our lives ought to be a sermon on how to please and honor God. People watch us and they hear us. They see us with their eyes and they listen to us with their ears. Is Christ revealed in our actions? Does His voice call to people through our words? Think about it like looking in a mirror. When you stand in front of the mirror in the morning and you look at yourself, you see who you really are. There's no way around it. When Paul told Timothy to pay close attention to himself and to his teaching, he was telling Timothy to examine himself spiritually, to see who he really was and what he was really saying, how he was living his life. I thought about it like this. I didn't grow up with these, but some of you did. Remember those old things called records? Like the vinyl records? Remember those? 
Does, does anybody have no idea what a record is? Like you've never seen one before? Oh, we got a few people out there. So the, these records were, they look really cool. In fact, bands have started to reproduce their own copies of vinyl albums, maybe just because it's nostalgic, it's probably to try to make a little bit of money, you know, starving artists. But these, uh, these, these vinyl records are made like this. And this is my non-scientific Jake explanation, okay? You take a, a piece of vinyl that's cut to a certain size and a round disc with a hole in the center. And then into the vinyl, into the vinyl, the frequencies that pass through the microphone into the sound equipment then go from the device that scratches the frequencies into the vinyl record. It cuts. So if you ever heard somebody say, we're going to cut an album, it's an actual expression of what took place. Inside this vinyl would be cut the frequencies that would be played. So when you place that record on a player and the needle passes over the cuts in that vinyl, whatever is cut into the vinyl plays through the speakers. Reality is this, our hearts, our lives, our character is cut and it's molded just like a vinyl album. And when our lives are placed on the player, whatever's cut comes out through the speakers. Paul is telling Timothy, son, you need to pay careful attention to yourself and to your teaching. Because whatever is cut into your character is going to play through the speakers. And it might be tempting for Timothy to go, well, that means I need to shape up and be better. That means I need to study harder and, and preach better. And sure, he needed to discipline himself in godliness and grow in his teaching ability and grow in his moral character. But the only way any of that was possible is if Timothy chose to take his eyes off of himself and fix his eyes on Jesus, on his Savior. Because in reality, Timothy knew, just like all of us know, that there is nothing good in our own hearts that we could point out to people and say, hey, be just like me because I'm such a great person. Say what I say because I know everything. Paul wanted Timothy to look at himself so that he could see the grace of God in his own life. Because when we see the grace of God in our own lives, we know the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see how God has saved us from our sins and is transforming us and molding us and cutting new character qualities into our life so that we display and radiate His goodness and His glory to the world around us. God has called you to be his follower. He wants you to do his will. My question for you this morning as you think about fighting the good fight of faith is where is your focus? Is your attention fully engaged on fighting the good fight? Or are you distracted by other things around you? Your emotional state is not an excuse to surrender. Carnal vices that are in your own life will keep you from the victory that you already have in Christ. Perhaps you need to turn your focus from where your eyes have been looking to where God's eyes are already gazing. 
Because this is really the only way to fight the good fight with the focused mindset. To fix our eyes on who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. Take your eyes off of your own will. Put your eyes on the face of God. And then turn your gaze to where the Lord is looking. When you do, you'll see who God wants you to be. And you'll see what God has called you to do. Fix your eyes on Scripture. Fix your eyes on serving others. And fix your eyes on the Savior. Don't lose the fight by losing your focus. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? In just a moment, you're going to hear a song of invitation played. And as you hear this song, I just invite you to respond to God as He has spoken to your heart today. Maybe you need to fix your eyes on Scripture. Spend time studying God's Word. Maybe you need to fix your eyes on serving other people around you and get your eyes off of your own self and preferences. Maybe you need to fix your eyes on the Savior. Instead of looking at yourself and trying to make yourself look better for other people, you just need to admit the truth that that you're a sinner, but God's grace is displayed marvelously in your life, and you just need to share that message with others. I don't know where your eyes have been looking this morning, but I want to encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus. If you need to come and pray with me during this song of invitation, I invite you just to come down here and talk with me. Maybe you need to come down to the front and not talk with me, but just kneel at the altar and talk with God directly in prayer. As God calls you today, would you respond?